0: WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi, so thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture.
1: You guys are the center of the universe today, at least the
0: political universe. I
2: believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from of Marshfield in this room right now. That's you. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show
1: tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have.
3: I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Baker. You ready?
1: I got to tell you that uh, it was really nice to hear Aerosmith on in the intro there. So
3: you're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine,
2: and I'm delighted to be with you this evening.
0: And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening
3: on this snowy Monday night. My name is Kevin Tachi, and I will guide you warmly home as you are on your commute and maybe you're getting ready for dinner we have a great show lined up for you several topics to touch upon Larry looks at me like really is this true this is true Larry when are you going to replace the uh, intro that's the biggest question next to if Plymouth County government should stay or go (laughs) Wait, wait 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 Yeah, you know, did you turn Mike? Did you turn? Mike's been cut off. Is did you not put up the, uh, my my first guest? Mike. He's in a different microphone now. Look at this, Larry. I'll, I'll second the uh, new intro. Uh, okay, comment. Well, I'll tell you what. Say something clever that I can put on the new intro. <laughs> I'll try. I can't okay. do it on demand. All right, that's okay. But you know what? You got twenty minutes coming up okay. after traffic. Of course, that voice is our first guest. Uh, he is State Representative Josh Cutler, representing. The sixth Plymouth district. though, I used to be able to rattle it off, but they've th- through a little bit of uh, uh, redistricting.
2: Yes,
3: uh, they've taken a little bit away from him. I think they've given you Marshfield. Yes, they've given you a little bit more Duxbury, not so much. Yes, and you've lost a precinct in Hanson. Yes, all correct. Right. So otherwise, it's Pembroke, Duxbury, and Hanson, and a precinct in Halifax too. Wow! Yeah. Wow, your pre- precinct, your precinct is turning There's into more the, to me to love. You know, it, it smells and sounds a little bit like the 12th Plymouth District. It does. Who yeah. I actually call Jelly. You know, it's part of the peanut butter, peanut butter <laughs> and jelly brigade with uh, Allison Sullivan and Kathy Lenatro. Um But Josh Cutler is going to be here. He'll kick off the Thank show uh, right after traffic. Lots to talk about. You know, just because it's a new year, it's a new legislative session, it doesn't mean that you just kick back and relax until, you know, the midpoint. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the work that uh, the representative uh, has been busy doing since uh, being inaugurated, sworn in, a uh, uh, lot of hustle and bustle in the House Lots chambers. Lots going on. Lots going on. So we'll chat with him. It's also his birthday, Yeah, if you're not aware of it. Uh, I think Larry and I should sing him "Happy Birthday," uh, we'll, we'll but then he'll then, but then yeah. then he'll leave, so we won't we won't do that. But if you have a chance, and if he, he is your representative, send send him a, a, some birthday love on social media. Now, following the representative, we have one of our local businessmen who is <laughs> who who is also a proud sponsor and probably one of the loudest cricket cr- uh, credits, cr- uh, critics. Of, of the opening of the show and that is Richard Rosen who actually just sent me a text once again sharing his dismay over the lack of changing this, this could be something that could become a, a viral as far as changing the opening <laughs> of uh, this South Shore, uh, South Shore uh, talk show uh, opening uh, but Richard Rosen is going to join us just to catch us up with what's going on not only with his uh, two uh, restaurants uh, but also Talk about if you're somebody who loves uh, nature uh, and you don't know it. We've actually talked with him a few times. Richard Rosen is a local beekeeper, and he's also an award-winning beekeeper who is up for an award this week. Hopefully, he's a finalist right now. Hopefully, he'll he'll secure it. But we'll talk a little a little bit about that, and talk a little bit about uh, if you're somebody who is interested in beekeeping. Uh, now's the time to, to get involved and start gathering your gear to do so. Hour number two. Uh, as I teased, I teased at the end of uh, 2022, coming into the new year, uh, looking to expand the people that we talk to, uh, you know, maybe shine a little light or, or have conversations with communities that don't necessarily, there's, there are so many stories that go on that don't necessarily make headlines in the newspaper that you don't see on TV, you don't hear on the radio, but there are stories that are going on in their communities. Well... That's pretty much, uh, that hits the nail in the head when it comes to the town of Whitman. Because we have Randy LaMartina. He is the uh, uh, chairman for the select board in Whitman. We're going to get caught up on a few things. They actually are about to pick a new town administrator. Oh. Uh, that's in the works. Uh, as well as talk about some of the things that the police department is doing. And uh, maybe we'll talk about a, a new cookie patch. And maybe a cookie gate. All this coming up at 7 o'clock, followed by Chris Dioria. Chris has been on, he's worn different hats on this radio program. We're going to talk with him a little bit about the Anna Walsh uh, murder case and get his take as a defense attorney. So that's all coming up in just
4: a few moments. If this thing called civilization was going to end, I think it would have ceased during one of the two world wars. My grandparents never gave up. They worked and lived till the bitter end, which wasn't bitter at all. Actually, it was sweet. Their life was sweet. I want my life the same. I want to work, coach my kid's soccer team, go out to eat after, and then come home to my bed where I can rest my bones. Then get up and do it all again tomorrow. That's what I want, that's what I'm working for, and that is my American dream. I can't do it alone. I need you. We need each other. We're all in this together, and together we can have our American dreams. As long as we're willing to do what is necessary to survive on this marble called Earth. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best smoke shop in Massachusetts and now New Hampshire. Brennan's Smoke Shop, customers must be 21 years of age or older, and proper ID is required.
0: Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATV. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right, we are back. Meanwhile, we
3: are—it's uh, it's like opening a can of worms, uh, as uh, they already have already have offers from other state representatives who want to come in and. And do kind of like the same thing that was done during political season, where they all come in and they all take turns doing the opening for Monday Night Talk. That might not be a bad idea. Now, but I, maybe we we'll do we'll make sure we have a nice mix of senators, maybe we'll get the governor in there, or yeah, yeah. we'll get the LT in there, lieutenant governor in there. All good. It's all good. It's time for an update, though. Time for an update, though. So thank you, Matt Muratori. We'll appreciate it. Um, of course, Richard Rosen is uh, chirping still as well. So, uh, joining us is the birthday boy. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. <laughs>
5: um, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. I I, um, I wanted to just, if I could have, I guess what we call it, a point of personal privilege, we'd call it in the legislature. Please. Um, you know, I don't want to dwell on this, but I, and I have shared publicly, and I did it on Facebook, and I, I wanted to kind of share with your listeners. Um, you know, earlier this fall, I had... Um, uh, some, well, some personal health news. Early this fall, I had a routine colonoscopy and um, showed up that I had a tumor. And after some some follow-up testings, it um, was determined that i have been diagnosed with cancer. So um, obviously that's not the news that anybody really wants to hear. Uh, but I, you know, I feel really good about the treatment plan and my doctors and, and, and the course that we're on. I um, wrap it up my radiation treatment tomorrow and then I'll be doing my chemotherapy. And, you know, there probably be some points where it might impact a little bit my ability to get out and about. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm intent on sticking to my routines and uh you know diving into my work and you know i wanted to share this kevin uh with your listeners and I, you know as i did on facebook just to you know as a more of a public service announcement i think for myself you know i'm now 52 i was 51 um and uh you know at the age where you're you know advised to do a routine routine colonoscopy and i frankly and candidly i put it off a couple times because i didn't want to do it yeah. and uh, i'm glad i almost put it off again and i'm glad that i didn't and um you know so um i'm in good hands the doctors are you know have shared that uh you know good prognosis and everything but um i just wanted to you know it was a public service i guess announcement Share that and and encourage folks to seek out routine cancer screening when it when their doctors recommend it you know obviously it it has had a big impact on my life and hopefully someone out there listening may may heed that advice and 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 head off something that could be could could be worse so i just want to share that again i don't really want to dwell on that and not want to talk about myself in that way a lot but i I thought that was um something that was important to share so if i could
3: just just quickly say, is, is 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 he's is Josh is right. I've had three colon, colonoscopies and I've been lucky so far, but the hardest part is the prep. Mm. That's mm, it. It's not fun. So mm. you know what? If if you, something that you can detect, and for quality of life, it's something that definitely do. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing yeah, that with yeah. with the, the listeners, and we we have we wish you uh, good health and health enough to uh, continue your your work. Uh, Talk to us about being sworn into yet another term.
5: Yes. What was what was the, what, was this one any different? Being sworn in, um, it was a little a different, thing? Kevin. You know, um, it, it's an honor certainly every time um, to be. Up on Beacon Hill, representing the, you know the, uh, the six Plymouth District the communities I represent, and working with my colleagues again you know across the aisle, Republican and Democrat. And this one is a little different. I, I think we you know we we saw the transition to from Governor Baker to Governor Healey, and so that added a whole other level uh, uh, to to the process, which was great. And it's a nice contrast, I think, you know, to see here in Massachusetts we have the you know smooth transition from one uh, from one party to another in the governor's office, with you know cooperation, consensus, conciliation. Um, and, you know, I think that's really a great lesson for the nation with seeing what, what was sometimes happens in Washington, D.C. And um, so it did make it a little extra special, I thought. And, um, you know, we had a lot of fun with our inauguration day. And then the next day was was the governor's inauguration. Um, we got to watch and a representative, former representative Cantwell, who I think is, is driving home, hopefully driving home safely in this terrible snow. And I worked together um, for the Governor for Governor Baker's long walk, where he he walks from his office down around the, the fourth floor, the third floor, and down to the, the grand staircase and out the building, and then eventually to to the Boston Common to symbolize his return to a, as a public, you know, as a private citizen. And um, it was really it's a nice ceremony. I hadn't participated in that, and, and he was kind enough to kind of stop when he was walking by us and quickly say hello and um so it was it was it was neat to see that and the next day to have governor healy come in uh with lieutenant governor driscoll and, and the new energy and ideas that they're going to bring uh, so it's a, it's an exciting it's kind of a time of renewal great grateful for the great work of governor baker really excited and looking forward to the, the great work that governor healy and, and lieutenant governor driscoll are going to bring and you know all of us working together in legislature to work with them so you have a chance
3: to to do all the ceremonies and participate in you know in them um how quickly do you get right to work? And I already start. I mean, are you are you
5: in December? So we're actually back in the fall. You know, even throughout the election, when I have downtime, we're actually kind of working ahead, thinking about what kind of legislation we want to file come come January because it comes up fairly quick. Uh, in fact, the deadline was just this past Friday to file bills for our two year term. Right. And so we're kind of planning that back in the fall. And I had you know with our staff, I have a great, I'm fortunate to have a, a great staff. Uh, helping me up at the state house. So we kind of plotted out kind of some of the things we wanted to look at and work on and some of the issues, you know, take a fair amount of, you know, research and, and, and um, you know, looking into. And so we're kind of working on that throughout the fall and trying to sort of, um, you know, finalize our legislation, get it up to speed, you know, can, can you know kind of talk to all the d- different stakeholders, make sure we're, you know, we kind of got everybody an agreement uh, as best as we can. And then we, you know, we get it ready to go and make sure we're doing all the, you know, the fine tuning to make sure it comports with, what the you know the, the rules for filing legislation are, and the right general laws, references, and that kind of stuff. So we're doing all that stuff through the fall, and then really, uh, you know, as soon as the new year hits, kind of full force, and then it's like you know working towards a deadline for like a college, a final exam or something, where you're trying to get all your legislation filed um, by Friday, and we did, uh, and we ended up with. Uh, I think a record number of bills for me was 73 bills, which was probably more than I had intended to do. But, you know, when you you come up with ideas and they kind of beget other ideas and, you know, having been the chair of the Labor Committee for the past two years, you know, a lot of things that we – I saw come before us in a lot of areas, you know, where we were excited to try to, you know, make some tweaks and some improvements. And so that's kind of what we've done. And so we have a list and I I think I I put them – I put it on my website today, a list of, of some of the bills. I have actually you... took this off. Oh, you did? You Look are. at that. Oh, Look yep. at that. Look at that great uh, work there by Kevin Tocci here. It's almost like I have one of your aides. You know, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. If you could just do something about those opening credits, man. I know. <laughs> you know, the 2010s called, they want their credits back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, no, we have a lot of good bills here. And again, you know, we're uh, really fortunate, great staff, and, and really appreciative of all my colleagues in the South Shore and, Really around the state, we've we've partnered up with a number of different representatives and senators on some different bills, and um, you know, excited now to try to put those into action. Uh, so the next kind of step in the process, Kevin, is we, you know, we kind of share our bills with our colleagues and uh look for co-sponsorships it's a way of kind of building support and expanding support and so that process is kind of what's happening now so you work on getting your bills filed and then once they're filed you kind of transition towards trying to get other folks to to co-sponsor your legislation so i'll ask you is you say 73 is uh, bills is probably the most that you've, you've filed
3: to it date is, yeah to date. but i would think that you call that down from Maybe did you have a greater list? Maybe you had ten more. It was, it's actually more. the
5: opposite. Oh. <laughs> we don't, I started off with a smaller number, and you know, so you kind of realize that, okay, this is a separate issue that really needs to be addressed. And a lot of, you know, the majority of my bills, probably almost half of them have to do with labor and workforce issues. Again, because, you know, we were, that was a committee that I was uh, pl- privileged to lead last term. Sure. And so, you know, we, we worked on a lot of different pieces. And so there's some things that are fairly, you know, in the weeds a little bit and other things that are big, broad uh, issues, you know, like we did a lot of work around registered apprenticeships and trying to find ways to improve and, and, and uh, elevate our, our registered apprentice programs here in Massachusetts. So that's something that I'm really proud of. Uh, a big, great bill that we've worked on uh, here, and we've talked about in the past about wage transparency, trying to uh, include pay range transparency when in the hiring process, something that has um, is, is been shown to really do wonders to help address our our, our wage gaps. And it's also, a, I, th- I would think, a, a common sense thing that helps uh, employers and uh, job seekers to be on the same page. So um, we did a good bill on that. We have a really good bill on... Um, addressing the issue of of credit reports in the hiring process, which can be really discriminatory towards folks. Um, But really, you know, the fun thing about my job, Kevin, is, you know, just the wide range of things that we we get to tackle. Um, I actually have a bill um, that deals with the use of artificial intelligence in mental health services. And um, it was something that, you know, that, that kind of uh, I learned a little bit about. And it, it's an issue that, you know, is really on the, on, in the fore right now. We're seeing things, if, if any of your listeners have ever tried the chat GPT uh, website and seen how powerful and amazing that technology is. And so, you know, with that comes some, some concerns just about making sure we have uh, guardrails in place to protect uh, patients. Um, you know, throughout the process. So a lot of different things. Uh, I know you probably have a couple of questions or things that you wanted to bring well, up, yeah, but yeah, I, I just wanted to mention some of It's interesting
3: you mentioned bills, and, and <laughs> I, get, I gave you, I, I printed out as well for you a couple of the ones that I would, I would probably mention, and that is, uh, let's talk a little bit about the updates to the paid family and medical leave law that, you know, not too long ago was, uh, it went into, uh, became a law, Yep. And that no money is being drawn, a you know minimal amount is drawn out. But this is in case someone has issue with mental health or a medical issue, that there is a way to at least be able to keep monies coming into the household, and it's basically you're putting that money into, into you know kind of like a, a yeah. Egg. So
5: this is a nice new benefit that uh, it's been in effect for now. You know, two plus years. Um, it was it was passed as part of the the, uh, the sort of quote grand bargain. Um, and you know, I think it's important because it's not. You know, I find that there's still some, in some cases, a lack of awareness about the benefit. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. We, we do have paid family medical leave benefits here in Massachusetts, and I, you know, every uh, employee is, is paying towards them in a portion, and employers are as well. And um, you know, the program is off to a good start. I think. You know, I think there's probably some areas where we can uh, look to find some tweaks. And I, I think the biggest thing I think of is just trying to make sure everybody's aware of it and and, and taking advantage of it. We saw during COVID when, um, you know, so many people had, uh, um, you know, issues with, you know, whether it's needing to quarantine or tests and so forth. Um, but, you know, there's a lot uh, to that. And so it's, it's a great benefit. And I would encourage people to kind of, you know, to, to go on mass.gov and, and learn a little bit more about it. It's a PFML, we call it. And I, I have filed a few bills to try to, to make some tweaks to that. You know, a couple of them, you know, one really small issue we, we heard from some employers who were just concerned about, you know, some of the legal questions around PFML and how they should handle certain situations. And so one of the things where we we're, filed a bill is to have PFML Publish their hearing decisions uh, with redacting of, of course, any personal information, and, and in such a way that gives employers kind of a roadmap for how the PFML is interpreting the different statutes, and so they can better uh, know how to take action to you know when when employers come forward with uh, PFML claims. So that's just a small change would help to improve the administration for employers and employees. Uh, we're also looking, you know, one of the things we've identified is that. Um, People who make donations for bone marrow trans- for bone marrow or for organ donations are not currently covered under PFML. It's it's a, it's a bit of a loophole, so we're trying to to add that coverage in because that's obviously something as a society we want to encourage. So adding coverage for bone marrow and organ donations. So s- there's a couple examples of ways we're trying to make some 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 modest improvements to um, our existing laws and and try to get the word out about it. Would something like uh, these updates
3: to the PFML law would these basically be amendments would these be something that
5: might be a bit easier to go through the process uh, yeah so yeah i mean it, it, they would amend the current law yeah so it's it's not you know we're not creating a new benefit or a new right, you right. know so yeah it's obviously a lot easier to to make tweaks to something that already exists than to, right. to start something brand new um and, and in most cases that's what you know that's what we're trying to do um certainly again if you're just tuning in we are speaking with the state representative josh cutler is
3: our guest representing the Sixth Plymouth District. Uh, one other, pe- one other quick note I wanted to uh, make sure we touched upon was uh, the workshare program, and you know, I think you kind of basically touched upon, you know, maybe some some of the bills that you've done would help in the area of work, sh- uh, you know, workshare. <coughs> Yeah. Uh, what exactly would it improve when it comes to this program?
5: So I like to say WorkShare is probably the best unemployment insurance program you've never heard of. <laughs> and if you have heard of it, then bravo, because uh, many folks have not. WorkShare is, is a basically what I would describe as a layoff avoidance program. It allows uh, an employer who may be having, you know, experiencing a downturn or some um, some, some issues uh, with revenues, instead of laying off their employees altogether, which, you know, ha- comes with a whole s- suite of issues for the employer and the employee, obviously, uh, what they can do is reduce reduce the employer employee's hours in order you know save on costs then at the same time the state can backfill that revenue to the worker with unemployment insurance so that the worker remains whole and um, so it's sort of a, it's really a win-win. It's a win for the, the employer. It's a win for the worker who, who stays employed and has their benefits and all the things that they have. Right. And it's a win for the state, believe it or not, because it, it keeps our, our UI system stable and keeps people employed and paying taxes. And so um, it's a great program. It's, it's not always super well known. And so, and we had a, a commission last term that really looked at the whole unemployment insurance system. And it was something that I was one of the co-chairs of. And one of the recommend, we didn't always find consensus on everything, but one of the things that everything, everybody agreed on, you know, regardless of their background or whether they're labor or uh, business interest or academic interest was workshare, and that it is a really a great program. And so we wanted to try to do more to promote that and make it make people aware of it and add, add a little bit of flexibility to it as well. And so, um, you know, we, our staff really worked hard on this um, uh, over the fall to try to look at some ways we could kind of make some tweaks. It's a, it's, it's got some federal oversight so that we have to be a little bit careful about how we, we make changes to it. Um... But we, we we're able to find some ways we think we can improve upon it and uh, make it a little bit better and, and, and more. And hopefully it won't be necessary. Hopefully it'll never, it's never necessary, but we know it will be necessary in, in the future at some point. And so we want to make sure it's there as a resource and a tool uh, to help employers and and to work and, and workers, of course. What are you looking forward to this legislative session? It seems
3: like you've already started off with a bang. Is it a matter of having a new administration, new ideals, uh, a, new vi- uh, you know, a vision to kind of tackle some of the more uh, the the bigger problems like housing or uh, climate change. Items like that,
5: yeah. So I mean, it's exciting. I think you know, anytime you have sort of a new, a new administration, new people coming in, it is it is exciting. It's a period of renewal. It's it's frankly exciting to see our new members. We have some new members even on the South Shore, Rep. Rep Mendez uh, from Brockton, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, it's it's you know, I think you know, as a as a veteran lawmaker now, I think you know, we we depend on them to help bring new ideas and new energy, and that balances off hopefully what we bring with experience and some and some know how. Um, but it's 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 exciting to have that process, and so you know, with the new governor really excited about Governor Healy and, you know, a new attorney general, Andrea Campbell, who I really got to know during the the campaign season, really excited to work with her. Um, So... I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I think, you know, having had two years of of chairing the Labor Committee, I think, you know, I feel like I have a really good handle on some of the issues that come before us. And my focus has really been on workforce issues. Uh, Obviously, housing is is a critical issue as well. And I think it's already getting a lot of attention, I think, there's a broad recognition about that. Um, You know, I'm focused a lot on on workforce and, you know, also on some other areas, energy issues and also uh, behavioral health you know, are things, I think, are, are, are vitally important. But, again, I just come back to the fact that one of the things I love about the job is that it's constantly changing. The issues are, are, are always uh, new, and uh, it's really a broad, diverse group of issues that we get to work on. Could you see any committee changes? Could you be, you know, given uh, a
3: chairmanship of any other committees? Uh, or do you feel as though what you have, do you have any say
0: in it?
5: Yeah, so we're you know that process is kind of unfolding. It'll probably be uh, next month before we we have committee assignments. And so you know I I really enjoy what I'm doing and would be very pleased to continue doing what, the same uh, same role. Uh, but we'll that process will kind of be uh, unveil un unveiling uh, or whatever the right word is uh, over the next uh, few weeks. And uh, we have new members who bring in their priorities and their committee wishes and so forth. And so we'll um, we'll do a, try to do the best job we can, balancing all those and having a good uh, team. Folks that tuned in. They
3: are constituents. So they can fi- how can they find out about your office hours, or how they can reach out, contact you or your staff?
5: Yeah, so I'm uh, always welcome to, to reach out to, to my um, staff. The website, joshcutler.com, has a lot of great information. Our, our, our All our contact info remains the same as last term. Our phone number is, is 617-722-2013. I have a great team helping me up at the state house, And obviously, um, you know, I'm here balancing my time between the district and the state house and uh, encourage folks to reach out uh, anytime or come to our office hours we're, we, we're doing them remotely um, early winter we'll switch back to doing more in person as soon as uh, the weather gets a little better we want folks to be able to don't want folks to be able to have to come out driving in, in this kind of weather but um, we'd love to hear from folks whether it's about any bills that we filed or maybe there's bills that other people have filed that that uh, you know, looking for a co-sponsorship or um, maybe it's just an idea. And I, before I go, Kevin, because I know you got some, some good guests, I just have to give a quick update on our right whale bill. Oh, please. Because, say. you know, we, we've been on the, the program a number of times talking about that. I know some of your listeners may be familiar with Matt Delaney, our Pembroke resident, who has been the championing the right whale day here in Massachusetts. And I'm pleased to report that uh, one of the final bills that Governor Baker signed into law before he left was making april 23rd right whale well day here in massachusetts so really pleased about that and grateful to to uh, matt a constituent who um was so passionate about that issue and, and brought it forward and we were able to get it done so excellent well i want to thank you so much for coming in thank and you. i want
3: to wish you uh, continued uh, good and health the
5: next time i come on there's going to be a new intro is that what i'm hearing
3: my fingers are crossed my fingers are crossed, yes. <laughs> okay. fingers are crossed. <laughs> thank excellent. you there he is josh cutler our, our guest Uh, And uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. More Monday Night Talk
0: here on 95.9 WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD.
2: What is AA? Alcoholics Anonymous is an international fellowship of people who have had a drinking problem.
6: It is non-professional and self-supporting.
2: AA is multiracial, apolitical, and available almost everywhere.
6: There are no age or education requirements. Membership is open to anyone who wants to do something about their drinking problem.
7: For more information, literature, and videos about Alcoholics Anonymous, and to find a meeting near you, visit AA.org. Alcoholics Anonymous has a solution.
2: Each year about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer but there's good news today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago things move that fast so if you're diagnosed be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques the latest research the newest equipment all the newest medicines available through clinical trials and speaking of corners here's more good news advanced cancer care is now just around the corner The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard Medical Faculty Physicians and Oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org
0: slash cancercare. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 95.9WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we
3: are back. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9WATD. And uh, why wouldn't we want to... Get ready to close out the month of January without speaking to one of our, our premier sponsors, Mr. Richard Rosen, a proud proprietor of The Patio and McGuigan's Pub. Richard, how are you?
1: I'm great, Kevin. How are you?
3: Just so you know, we actually have a couple of uh, couple of guests who are coming up at 7 o'clock who you know.
1: I heard. One of them, of course, I was uh,
3: is your, your chairman of the, the Board of Selectmen. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: your police chief. Who's doing, a, who's doing a great job. They're all doing a great job, I might add. So what's going uh, on? Well, before we start, <clears throat> I would like to take this opportunity to commend Representative Cutler for a couple things. One is for showing his disgust with the opening of your show. And two is <clears throat> the fact that he went public with his health issue. You know, I talk to people all day, all night, in the restaurants and whatever. And it's amazing how many people that I've, how many guys I've talked to that don't want to get a colonoscopy. Well, the only thing it can do is save your life. I mean, it's absurd not to. And I commend him for going public. My father had colon cancer, um, which spread to his liver before they found it, and it killed him. But I mean, that was almost 40 years ago. There's no need of that happening to anybody these days. And he's a perfect example of they caught it before it kills him. And I just, you know, I want to commend him for going public with it.
3: Definitely a tip of the cap. It's not easy to talk about. No. Your health, especially if it's something something like that. No. But anyway, how are you? We're doing fantastic. Uh, what's what's going on uh, at your two establishments?
1: So we're getting ready for Valentine's Day. Um, you know, we we always come up with um, the chefs come up with specials. Uh, different specials for both restaurants for valentine's day and i think that we probably might give out roses to the to the females that come into the restaurant that night and they can make reservations that's one of the nights that we take reservations in the pub um we're gearing up for saint patrick's day which won't be long i mean we're almost at the end of january um so that will be happening fairly soon um i'm tinkering with the menu at the patio and there's a lot of new specials that we're rolling out every week um, you know it's like uh, i want to see which ones people like and then we make them part of the menu for a while and um, we have announced we, we can announce the date of the the 13th annual mcguigan's pub 5k will be september twenty fourth Wow! however we have something going on this sunday at the patio that we've never had before and the more i thought about it this would be a perfect guest for you we have a book signing at the patio this Sunday from 2 to 5 by a local author whose name is Joe Sicado. Joe and I have been friends I befriended him about I don't know 12 years ago and how I met him and how we became friends is is another story Um, but he's been he is a retired state trooper who spent about 30 years in law enforcement and wrote a book. He was starting to write this book when I first met him, and we talked, and I said, you know, we'll do the book signing at the patio, and lo and behold, here it is. Um, he he spent three decades in law enforcement, and I'm going to read this off the back cover, uh, during a time when, when mobs ran without fear in Boston streets. Capable, which is the name of the book, tells the unwritten stories of those three decades, including the bloody reign of James Whitey Bulger alongside Stephen the Rifleman Flummy. Uh, The truth about one indicted trooper and the serial killer who got away. Uh, Cicado sets the record straight in this twisting and gripping testimony on the history of Boston's underworld. And, you know, I started reading it last night. It's really good. So that is going to be going on at the patio. Um, You should come in and meet him and, and, you know, book him. so, So now you're doing book signings, huh? Well, we're doing book signings, bridal showers, bereavements, you name it, we'll do it.
3: Well, you know, I have to say, is um, you mentioned about different uh, ceremonies. Uh, You actually have uh, some special that uh, happened or uh, was announced uh, just the past week, no? Would
1: that be my daughter? Yeah. My daughter, the manager of both restaurants, the general manager, was engaged on Friday evening. Very exciting for us. Wonderful young fellow. And uh, she's pretty excited. She's, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing in her life. And his, too. Well, so it's d- exciting.
3: Well, definitely congratulations to you. Um, you know, you mentioned about Valentine's Day. Any specials? Do you have anything at all that's, that's in the works? And is the tree still up?
1: The tree is up.
3: <clears throat> you put I, hearts on it? What are you going to do with this thing?
1: No, I, re- I regret to inform you that the tree's coming down next Tuesday. Why? Well, one is... Space? Space is the biggest reason, and we also don't have time to keep undoing it and doing it. It's like undressing and redressing, and and there's just no time anymore. So, unfortunately, the tree is coming down Oh, next Tuesday. Okay. But, you know, we can move on and... There will be specials. I don't know what the specials will be. They tell me a day or two ahead of time. Um, But there will be specials on on Valentine's Day in both places.
3: Now, I did have somebody ask me about Mondays. Will there ever be a day that you'll be open on Mondays? Or or does this depend on the workforce?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever reopen on Mondays. Um, Hmm. And it does depend on the workforce. It's... uh, it depends on a lot of things, but I, I just don't know. Uh, as you look around, there's less and less restaurants every day around, and there's fewer that are open Mondays, so you would think, geez, it makes a lot of sense to uh, open on Mondays, which in one way it does, but in another hand, it's it's a day off for everybody, and when you're short-staffed, which we have been for a couple of years, it's everybody needs that day. So uh, it's not in the future, let me put it to you that way.
3: Okay. Let's, let's talk about something that's uh, also in your wheelhouse. Uh, First, I want to congratulate you on being uh, a finalist for a Massachusetts Creator Award for uh, for informing those folks out there who have a hobby in beekeeping.
1: Well, first of all, thank you. But second of all, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you. I mean, people need to understand that you are the producer and director of my bee show. Um, which is the third time that this show has been up for an award. Um, it's very exciting. And um, the the episode, the, the, the name of the show, and it's on YouTube, is called The Buzz Around Bees. And it is viewed all over the country. Different, it, it, You can probably explain it better than I can, how it's been picked up by cable stations um, all over the country and now on YouTube. And the specific episode that we've been nominated for um, is season four, episode one. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this for four years. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. But beekeeping is just, it's become a passion. I mean, it's, um, it's just a great hobby.
3: What's interesting is, is this is the fourth season
1: that, that Richard uh, embarked
3: on. And, you know, um, and doing it during the pandemic was kind of tough but you've actually told me that there's going to be a new element
1: uh, if we push forward for a new season. So being a beekeeper is, it's not easy. Everybody says, oh, I want to be a beekeeper, I want to be a beekeeper. And I would encourage anybody that's listening to become a beekeeper, but you really need to know what you're doing before you start, Um, which is why I go to beekeeping school, um, which is why everybody... Um, that wants to be a beekeeper should go to beekeeping school. Um, I happen to, the Plymouth County Beekeepers Association, which had started uh, a couple of weeks ago, does an eight-week course. And I don't go to all the courses, uh, the classes, but I go to some of them. And it's always interesting to see the people that are coming into the new class. They started a couple weeks ago, and I think there was 100 people. Um, so you know about beekeeping. I mean, you know a lot more about beekeeping than you let on to. Um... So someone had mentioned to me one day about, have I ever tried comb honey? So people listening to us think about honey, it's liquid honey. But comb honey is a whole different ball game. And that's when it's literally the comb and it's it's honey. And sometimes there's a very tiny thin layer of wax, <clears throat> like they used to make the wax lips out of and stuff. Yep. It's that you put that in the frame so the bees have something to to set the the honey into or sometimes there's nothing in it. So I've been researching comb honey for months. I've been reading books. I've looked on YouTube. And I'm going to embark on it in the spring. Um, They say that there's three different ways to produce comb honey. And I'm going to try all three. As you know, I have a a number of hives. So I'm not going to do it in every hive, and I'm not going to get crazy over it, but I am going to try to do it each of the three different ways. Um, They say it's very difficult, um, but we're going to find out. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, you know, it's just something different to try. As you know, I love to try different things.
3: And it's even more interesting is is that... um you have one hive that's still going right now, right?
1: I do. Um, <clears throat> you and I have talked about it, how difficult it is to overwinter a beehive. Yes. And I've got one that's still doing really, really well, and, you know, hopefully it will make it. It's, it's just up here in, in the northeast, it's very difficult. I mean, I know guys that are much smarter and much better at me that they lose a lot of their hives, and there's a number of reasons why. Uh, it isn't just the weather, it's mites, it's swamp. There's a whole bunch of, of reasons sure. why. Um, but are you going to the award ceremony? I am. On Wednesday,
3: Wednesday night is when they're going to be uh, announcing the awards. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. It's interesting because not only are you up for an award, but a, a good friend of ours uh, who does a fantastic job when it comes to calling sports, uh, Mr. Sean Riley, who's the town moderator in the town of Abington, but also is uh, a fantastic friend to the high school sports program, Uh, invests so much time, he knows all the community members, he knows all the kids, Uh, if he isn't calling a game, he's playing music during a basketball game or a set of basketball games, Uh, well, he had the fortune, I might say misfortune, because... Uh, a, a year ago, the Ab- Abington Wave football team took on Rockland in the Division Six football uh, at, at Gillette Stadium. Uh, of course, Rockland came out on top. That's why I say the misfortune. But he and his, uh, his uh, co-announcer, Kevin Whalen, do a fantastic job in doing so for 30 years. And they are up for uh, a piece of hardware as well. So we'll see what happens.
1: Uh, so the common thread between my show and their show is you. It's true. Which you know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't, you know, be where we are. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be nominated for an award. You know, I, it's probably not appropriate that I say this, but yeah, it's okay. So <laughs> I was telling someone. I mean, and you know me, you know me well. I was a strong C student in school. Um, so the the joke, the 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 banging noise that you heard one day. With some of my old teachers sitting up in their caskets when they heard that Rosen is getting an award for something educational instructional, <laughs> I mean, so I've used that a million times. Um, but it's it, unfortunately I am not going to be able to go to the award ceremony, which I was very excited when you let me know that we were nominated again, and very disappointed when I found out what day it was.
3: Well, we'll we'll def, we'll have to put a pin in this right now. Uh, and pick up uh, when we have you back on just to give us an update as to what's going on with McGuigan's Pub and The Patio. Uh, anything you want to say quickly in closing?
1: So, yeah, is it okay if I tease the fact that I will be hosting another one of your shows in the near future without telling anybody who the guest is right now? Sure, you could do that. Okay, so I will be hosting. As terrified as I was the first time I did it, I'm, it looking, forward, I'm looking forward in the next few weeks or the next several weeks to hosting um, Monday Night Talk, and people will have to tune in when they find out that I'm doing it to see who the guest is because I think it would be really, really interesting. So I, I don't really have much else, Kev. I mean, it's just always a pleasure talking to you, and I know you have some really good guests coming on. And uh, I want to thank you for... For getting me where I am in TV world.
3: Well, I you know what? It, t- it takes two to tango. So, you know, and if it wasn't for the good content, you have compelling content. People love seeing you and talking about it. I mean, if it could be anybody else. Uh, but you have a way with how to explain things. You're very knowledgeable in this and you're willing to kind of share this information, uh, you know, with anybody who's willing to listen and i know many people who come up to me who like oh you know you ever seen that show on double i go yeah i I know the guy (laughs) who who does it it's
1: he's he's passionate about it so i have an awful lot of people that come in the restaurants to tell me that they've seen it i've had people contact me so for people that are listening it's youtube called the buzz around bees the episode we're talking about specifically is season four episode one that's the one that's up for the award well
3: listen. Good luck, and uh, be safe out there if you are traveling. Uh, otherwise, we look forward to talking to you real soon.
1: Kevin, I'll talk to you later, and thank you very much. Great. There he is, Richard Rosen, a uh, proud
3: businessman uh, here on the South Shore. That does it for the first hour. I cannot believe that it has uh, just gone on by, but that's okay. There's more on deck. Uh, you are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. Stay tuned.
0: WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news. Emergency traffic and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 95.9WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying, play WATD.
2: Dad, you know I'm willing to drive.
0: Honey, we're all set here.
2: But your eyes, you even say so yourself. Don't like driving at night. Well, that's why I'm following the plow. But that's a sander, Dad. You know what they say. It pays to stay way back. It pays to stay way back. Oh, Too late.
3: I'm Peter Brown of Tiny and Sons Auto Glass in Pembroke. It pays to stay way back. However, if your windshield is broken, just call
0: 1-888-64-TINYS. And thank you. Invest your time in listening to Cape Retirement Radio and learn a smarter approach to investing so you can protect your future. Cape Retirement Radio, featuring Chris Latond, Thursday nights at 6.15 and Sunday mornings at 10 on 95.9 WATD. Be a part of the show. Call in and join in on the conversation. 781-837-4900. Now, back to Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. All right, we
3: are back. For hour number two, later this hour, we're gonna speak with uh, defense attorney, Chris DiOrio. And we're gonna uh, ask him, we're gonna to talk to him in regards to uh, this, this thing that has gone uh, nationwide with the, uh, the Anna Walsh uh, missing uh, case, uh, suspected murder. Uh, her husband, Brian has been charged with murder. Uh, we're going to uh, kind of look at this through a uh, defense attorney's eyes and get uh, Chris's take on it. So, But we're going to be t- talking right now uh, with a couple of individuals from the great right town of Whitman, home of the Toll House cookie. We have uh, Randy Lamatina. He is the chairman for the, uh, is it is it select board or selectmen?
7: Uh, currently it's the board of selectmen but uh i think you may see a uh, change coming up falling in line with the uh, uh mass selectmen's association uh, very shortly oh yeah you had mma over the weekend uh, mma went great I, I will tell you that there was a lot of positives to take out of that uh, i love the message from uh, our new governor uh on point direct and uh i think from a fiscal situation she uh kind of eased a lot of our fears and, you know, is, is saying she's committed to having a budget, uh, her first pass budget by March 1st, which will be a phenomenal, you know, a, a big feat, but uh, absolutely phenomenal if you're in a position like mine.
3: Well, you know, the, the, the bigger feat will be one that that is passed and signed into law by June 30th because I believe the past couple of uh, budgets, past several, uh, that usually had to go beyond uh, the fiscal year and had to have something in place in order to at least provide that funding to the, the municipalities and and keep things running.
7: It, they they stretch beyond and and it wreaks havoc through through the uh, you know the municipalities. It uh you know it's people don't realize, but we're trying to make guesstimates, bu- budgets ba- uh, based on guesstimates. and and that's in May. A lot of these town meetings are late April May. And uh, it's a credit to a lot of the town managers and town administrators and and all the boards and committee members that put the work in and and get it done.
3: And uh, joining uh, the selectman uh, chair is uh, Police Chief Tim Hanlon. Uh, it's fantastic because I had uh, your other public safety colleague, uh, Tim Clancy, in uh, a couple of weeks ago. As we yeah, talk. I saw that. We had a group. We have to have you back in and maybe have a couple of select police chiefs. Baby have, steps. Baby steps. But it's fantastic having you here. Um, the thought when I was talking with Randy, I'm like, who? Would, how would you want to talk about what's going on in Whitman for this segment? And he mentioned you and he mentioned uh, Deputy Chief Joe Bombardier as some of the work you guys are doing with, with interacting and working with the, the community, um, whether it's uh, people out on the streets or using social media as ways to connect. Um, how are things going when it comes to community policing in Whitman?
6: Uh, well, we've always had the support of the community, first and foremost. Uh, there, there aren't too many people who, who don't support us out at things like uh, when the budget comes up the special town meetings and so on and so forth when we need something the town is really there for us that's as well as the board of selectmen they're on board um with all of our needs from from a department spe- specific perspective from the police department but not only just the police department public safety the dpw all of the other uh you know boards and town hall people who are working working together yeah, to try and get things done for this town. And so social media is just one of our ways that we try and put some things out there and and not to make it um, as dry and mundane as as we can. We try to spice it up a little bit and that's where we poke a little fun at ourselves and some other things that that happen around town. And and that's where it really kind of took off for us. Someone approached me and said, "Hey, can I can I post some things on on social media and we'll see how it goes?" And I said, "Yeah, try not to get yourself fired." <laughs> and uh, and it's been great. You know, there's always the, the naysayers here and there, but uh, for the most part, they're few and far between. So we appreciate the support.
3: I think I saw a, uh, a police. I think I saw a police officer riding a skateboard.
6: That wasn't one of ours. That I'm not sure. Okay, but that that's why I said a police officer. Exactly. Yeah.
3: But but it was just something fun that you saw. as, you know you know try something different. And this is police officer on the skateboard. And then uh, the one thing that I that kind of perked me up was um, the patch. The 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 police patch is it a police patch with with the uh, the tollhouse cookie?
6: It is. Yeah. So as everyone's should be aware. Uh, Whitman is the home of the Toll House cookie, um, and Nestle adopted that, and uh, and the recipe from the Toll House in Whitman is, was actually printed on the back of the packages. And uh, my mother made a fantastic Toll House cookie. I will <laughs> tell you that I miss those. Uh, but beyond that, again through social media, we've had people reach out, reach back out to us, and you know they did some research on the town and said, "Hey, you, you're the." The, the Toll House cookie capital and um, the artwork was provided and put on a patch and so that's what we did and um, and we posted it and, and everybody everybody loved it that was on um, December 4th initially was um, National Cookie Day that's what it was so that's why um, that post we did a post specifically for that and uh, and it kind of took off from there and now people want the police cookie patch if they can um and so we might do a fundraiser for that
3: well that's, that's fantastic now you're smiling over here what are you smiling about
7: uh, i'm smiling because it was one of the best things i've seen in a while um i, th- I think it also just plays into how well the uh, whitman police department is interacting with everybody in our community uh very proud of the work they've done through facebook and social media uh I think it lets people see a different side of police officers, realizes that it, it, it's not just uh, people that are you know, dealing with you typically at the most stressful, uh, disastrous moments of your life, but it, it's husbands, fathers, mothers, daughters uh, that have a sense of humor, that can laugh at themselves, and want to make sure that they're making a positive impact on, on the community that they work in. It, it, it's just... I, I will tell you, more people recently have come up to me about the police social media site, and it is, uh, I, I, I love it. It, it. It's great, and uh, um, I hope it catches on to other departments in town, and it, I think it not only, uh, you know, spreads a great message, but you go to that site now. You, you want to see what the Whitman Police Department's doing, so it. it's a tool that brings people in and lets people, you know, we get the messages out we want to and and they're provided a smile or a laugh that day and and there's not too much better than that.
3: Hey, you don't want no controversy uh, being, you know, around anything so sweet as a Toll House cookie.
7: Cookies are sweet and and it seems to be... uh, uh, you know, somewhat of a—I guess you could uh, call it—Cookie Gate in Whitman, right? Cookie now. Gate. Yeah. Co- cookie. How's co- why? Because you guys
3: didn't lower the cookie like you did uh, several years ago. You had the big chocolate chip cookie that you, you dropped. Only thing that was missing was there should have been a, a big thing of milk.
7: <laughs> yeah. No. Unfortunately, the the the, uh, the batter is much darker than that, and, <laughs> and it, it, and it's a uh, a somber tale to tell. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, an act of kindness uh, and an overreaction has kind of put the town right now in in a little bit of an embarrassing spot. Um, I I can only classify that. What took place was uh, an overreaction um, that has now taken on a life of its own. And um, it's kind of a black eye for the town. Really? I, I,
3: I do so, think. Oh, so so. do you want to just give a, I, I, again, we don't want to, I don't want to get caught up in the gate, but because we have other things to discuss. Sure. You've got a new town administrator that you, you're hoping to hire soon.
7: Uh, I'll give you the 50,000-foot uh, view real quick. Give me the nuts and bolts of it. We basically had a joint meeting between the Board of Selectmen and the uh, Whitman Finance Committee uh, last week. Uh, one of the members of the Finance Committee, uh, generosity, kind act, you could call it, bake some cookies, uh, and use the Whitman town seal. Uh. Uh, unbeknownst to, I think, a lot of people involved and a lot of people on the actual boards and committees, that the the keeper of the seal has that authority baked into their job description and uh, kind of took umbrage with the, the fact that the town seal was used in, in uh, such a manner. And um, I don't know. I will tell you that uh, as far as the Board of Selectmen, uh, it was an act of kindness appreciated. It was an act of kindness that was uh, the intent was very clear. Uh, I don't think there was uh, any uh, official intent with that because uh, what gives it away is probably the crumbs that were left after the cookie was eaten. Okay. Um,
3: Again, how did the evidence taste?
7: Uh, Delicious. Uh, You know, like I said, and I I actually put this on the social media site, that it was an act of kindness uh, topped with some well-decorated frosting. Uh, You know, unfortunately, it led to uh, town council getting involved. Uh, Council opinions are not cheap. Kindness is free. So uh, spread it around with some well-decorated frosting.
3: Lesson learned here is that we'll we'll file this
6: under? The other piece of that is context as well. It wasn't meant uh, to do anything to the town seal as far as uh, you know using it for any nefarious purposes it was on a cookie. And I don't think probably very many people noticed the town seal in the first place.
3: Did you saw something something pretty yeah.
7: Yeah. It was clearly a misunderstanding of how a town seal can be used. And there is specific mass general law that that uh, governs that. So the keeper of the seal was, uh, I I can't say she was wrong because the the law is uh, very clear on on how a a seal should be used. Uh, I think, um, unfortunately, lawyers will uh, be able to argue the intent of that all day long. Uh, But uh, for myself, uh, it's time to sweep up up the crumbs and uh, close the bakery and put the issue to bed.
3: Let's talk about some other some other interesting news. Uh, anybody who's ever taken a picture in front of Whitman Town Hall has always remembered those two beautiful trees that sit right in front of it. Uh, due to a storm a few weeks ago, one of those trees had to be taken down because of Mother Nature.
7: Unfortunately, and um, you know, it's one of those things you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, and uh, it looks very desolate now in front of Town Hall. But I, I will say, uh, recently somebody posted a, a picture of, I think it was 1903, the Town Hall was built. And and that original tree was planted uh, within the first few months, I believe, of Town Hall being open. Um, and it was just a little sapling then. And uh, I'm hoping that over the next couple months we can come together and... Uh, Uh, provide some type of another tree out there. I think the selectmen may do something uh, or ask for some uh, town involvement and uh, get something back out in front of town hall.
3: That'd be fantastic. Uh, We wanted to make sure we at least mentioned that because it was kind of a... uh, How long? You know, over 100
7: years the tree was there. It it was there a long time. It was a large... uh, It's a loss. Uh, You know, some people... uh, I, I myself am a creature of habit, and um, you know you, you tend to notice things like that, and you, and you really notice how much uh, something is missing in front of town hall.
3: How about you, chief? I mean, you're somebody who's been around town for many years. I mean, you find memories of uh, of being around that that area that uh, you know and not seeing it now?
6: Yeah, every parade when we.
3: I march was going to say that you guys or, march
6: by. Yeah, stop by there for the memorial services, Memorial Days. Um, that provide a lot of shade for a lot of people over a lot of years. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mother Nature decided different, I guess, in this case.
3: Yeah, yeah, I can't think. Of so many different summer days where you could kind of sit under that tree and it would be it would be beautiful. Now it's going to be it'll be missed. Um, and I think, isn't there some um, um, something going to be happening with the World War One? arch the memorial arch is that being moved one of these times because that's another landmark that i think about that i know that there's been conversation about possibly moving that one day but there's the way it's set up it's it's going to take uh some effort and some
7: study uh it was looked into a a little bit over the summer and um you know it's one of those things that uh it's a risk to move Mm-hmm. so w- w- what is it a you know the, you got a cost benefit and uh, you you would hate to see uh, something really damage that um, I personally think it serves a purpose I think yep. it limits traffic cutting through there it, and um, you know it, it's where I it's been since uh, I was a kid so it's uh I, I I don't personally see a need to have it moved um, but
3: and again, another stop along the way when it comes to parades. The correct. Past.
6: Yes,
7: correct. You know? yeah. And people
6: don't like change. And I think people will be either for or against it for whatever reasons. But it's polarizing.
3: True. But I think about the fire department when they need to get apparatus in and out of there. And apparatus is not getting smaller. It's getting bigger. No. Uh, you know, the one thing you will hope that you don't lose access to the back part of the fire station.
7: Well, like you said, uh, you know, fire apparatus has, uh, over the last probably 20 years size-wise uh, exponentially right. larger than, you know, I think our, our fire station is up over 100 years old now. Um, so d- definitely things need to be looked at, but if if the arch was ever going to be moved, uh, I think we set out with good intention to, to do a little cost study ab- about moving it, uh, realized there would be considerably more to do it right than uh, I think what we're, we're willing to put out right now.
3: Ken, if you're just uh, tuning in, we're speaking with uh, Randy LaMartina. He is uh, a chairman on the Whitman Selectman, uh, Board of Selectmen and, uh, of course, Police Chief Tim Hanlon. He had to talk about uh, all things Whitman on uh, this uh, special episode of Monday Night Talk. Let, let's talk about uh, the search for a new town administrator. Now, the Whitman uh has been fortunate over the years had somebody who sat in the position for about 20 years decided to retire uh hired a town administrator didn't work out frank has come back frank linem and now the idea is is hopefully to find someone who's going to remain for at least half the time that frank was there
7: well i i i guess i could announce it tonight uh Although not officially, we're I think we're we're in the uh, cons- contract stage, negotiations, part- negotiation yep. stage. But we have uh, offered the job to uh, Miss Mary Beth Cotter, a longtime treasurer collector, uh, a solid proven employee with a pedigree that I, I just don't think we could find from outside candidates right now. Uh, she's going to provide the you know the continuin- if I said that correctly, continuity, continuity, yes. Sorry about that. Um, that we need right now. Uh, but prior to talking to her about her anymore, I, I you know, like you said, Frank Lineham, I, I could not thank Mr. Lineham enough for coming out of retirement, uh, filling a gap that needed to be filled rapidly, greatly. Uh, and, and he just stepped up, and I will tell you, it was for no other reason than his love of the town. And and you really saw, uh, I definitely saw a, a different side of him. You know, when somebody steps in that's I think was very happy with his grandkids and his wife in retirement sure. Uh, to come back, you know, basically at the drop of a dime when we needed him, uh, I can't say enough about that man. But Mary Beth Carter, I am excited. Um, she's going to be great. I, I know it.
3: Mary Beth, of course, she had uh, departed Whitman, to become the treasurer in Nobel. Yes. And then you were able to offer the position to come back. Was it that you guys offered her, or did she uh, throw her hat in the ring? Can you... Can uh, uh,
7: no, we... Um, it, it was definitely a uh, us reaching out to her situation. Uh, you know, we, we've struggled to... I don't want to say find qualified candidates because there definitely were... Uh, candidates that could have d- done the job, but a, a candidate that we felt was gonna be just the, the the plug and play situation that's gonna fit right in and just hit the ground running day one. And when we reached back out to her and and uh, she gave us a, a glimmer of hope. It was fantastic. Chief and, when be your department
3: had working with the town administrator. how How key is it that uh, the the right person? is chosen and able to work with departments like yourself.
6: Yeah, so Frank Lynham, I started in 2000 and Frank became the town administrator shortly thereafter, uh-huh. right around the same time. So that puts it in a little bit of perspective. I didn't have um, much impact with the workings of the town at you know, first coming on for the first 10 years. 2012 I became deputy chief and then I got to see really an inside view to how the town works and Frank Lynham is is top level top notch he is very knowledgeable but it's more than that you know he has the interest of the town comes first right. and obviously we've seen that happen again where he came out of retirement to come back and do this and um I didn't maybe think he thought it would be this long but um but he's done a spectacular job. So moving forward, I've also worked with Mary Beth Carter along the way and in similar fashion she she's going to provide all of those services. It's going to be just the way she her work ethic is um you know town first and she'll put in the hours whatever it takes to do this job. She has that spectacular reputation. Um, from certainly, that's my own opinion. But if you probably ask some other people around town, and certainly people she's interacted with in her official capacity as well as her personal life, you, she's just a stand-up person all the way around.
3: Yeah, it's worth noting. I mean, I mean, how many years was she the, the treasurer for treasurer Collector?
6: Uh, Quite I mean, a few,
7: right? I, th- I think yeah. sixteen, maybe. Right. That's right uh, around
3: there. So somebody who will who's invested, somebody who's from the area, right? And who who has a general understanding as to what's happened as to, again, no knock on any other candidates, but somebody who who knows where the town has been, and where the the town wants to go. Absolutely, kind of very important.
7: Uh, her her kids still live in town. She's from town. Uh, she respects the town, and, and I will say uh, the. The, oh, the message the, the general message we've received or I've received from department heads is she has the respect. she's, she's earned the respect and and you don't get that from somebody that you you, you pull from someplace else uh, and that take the, the rapport takes a long time to develop. And, sure. you know so you gotta, draw, you gotta grow the trust right right and, and she has the trust she has the respect and it's and it's mutual uh, for our department heads and it's fantastic and like I said, very excited.
3: And knowing that we are, you know, here we are, it's uh, a budget season, right? You guys will be going to town meeting at the beginning of, of May, am I correct? Yep. Yes. First, right?
7: First Monday in May. And
3: so, you know, it's, it's those discussions, you know. You find out where's the school district when it comes to, to funding. Uh, how, you know, your department chief, as far as uh, what are we going to need for, for manpower, for equipment, it's... it's Always, it's it's perpetual. It's always going, it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't say, oh, well, you know, it's been a bad year, so we'll, we'll take a, a year off. It doesn't happen. You know, you're always gonna need, you're gonna need to replace manpower. You may need to increase it, uh, provide those services because people care about certain services, uh, especially when it comes to public safety.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So that's, and that's the challenge, is there's only so many pieces of the pie or the cookie, maybe, if you want to change up. Um, and, and getting each department what they need and kind of filtering out the things that maybe can be put off. Mm. And that's challenging every year because, um, as much as individual departments, you know, I I can think of in terms of only the police department, right. And say, here's what I need. And. Okay, everyone else can get in line behind us, but that's not the case. We've always worked well with others, other departments, uh, the Board of Selectmen and uh, the Finance Committee as well, you know, and they have a tough job of trying to figure out how is this all going to puzzle pieces fit together so sure. that we can manage this budget and, and move forward and make it through another year. That right. doesn't mean we're going to necessarily be successful and certainly in public safety and others, you know um if we have a bad storm year right the dpw is going to go into deficit spending yep. and you know same thing here we have a uh, uh, you know some emergencies that that you know that's why they call them emergencies they weren't expected and right. that may be overload our resources we're gonna have to call people in and then at the end of the fiscal year we're gonna limp into the finish line on occasion
7: Really? So th- this, I, I believe, you know, I, I, I sat here, I don't know, six years ago now, for the first time, and uh, and uh, you, you know, I, I like my story to be different now, but but it really isn't. But it's 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 different challenges. Uh, you, you know, we, we're coming off the pandemic. We're we're coming off of trying to how uh, you know use that federal money that not only the schools got but we got. Uh, what needs to be kept, what needs to be cut. Uh, it's decisions, and, and, you know, for me, it, it's always been the juggling act. Uh Keep town services, but keep people in their homes and, and not overtax them to the point where, you know, people are stressed, and, and uh, you know, you're also seeing the results of inflation, and sure. and uh so it, I don't want to say it's going to be the most challenging year, but it is going to be a challenging one. But we're ahead of it, and I think we're going to Working out,
3: yeah. And, and again, is uh, how soon are you hoping to have uh, Mary Beth uh, uh, starting? Is there a, is there a p- potential start date, or is that something that you guys will decide in the next couple of weeks?
7: Uh, I, I think hopefully, we'll, we'll by tomorrow night, we'll probably talk about when she'd. Uh, you know, assuming that we can uh, get this contract negotiated, um, I, I know she has a commitment with under her previous contract, no, yeah. which she's absolutely, a, she said to me that she plans on a 100% meeting and fulfill her requirements there, and, and she should. Uh, ideally, we're probably looking 30 to 35 days before uh, she gets uh, into her office.
3: Well, it's, it's that's definitely good news, and uh, I want to thank you guys for coming here and, and talking about what's going on in your community. and. Let's uh, let's agree to maybe get together again in uh, a few weeks. And hopefully things are, are going well, Chief. You're welcome to come back with Randy. Or, Randy, you're
7: welcome to bring somebody else as well if you want. All right. And I appreciate you having us, Kevin. Thank you. You got it.
3: Uh, Great, Randy Lamatina and uh, Tim Hanlon, uh, police chief in Whitman, our guest for the segment. We're going to step aside. And when we come back, more Monday Night Talk right
0: here on 95.9 WATD. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tocci, on 95.9 W.A.T.D. Go ahead, indulge
2: yourself every Wednesday night, tune into the Francesca Luca Show, and join me for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration. So sit back and relax, or be stimulated, or both, because being connected feels good. And who doesn't need more of that these days? Don't miss the Francesca Luca Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on 95.9 W.A.T.D.
0: Hello, I'm Erin McGew, executive director of Fuller Craft Museum. Our mission is to excite your senses and help you discover the wonderful accessible world of contemporary craft art. Our museum is open to the public six days a week and is free admission for everyone every day. We're located at 455 Oak Street in Brockton right off of Route 24. Please visit our website at fullercraft.org. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Don't just listen, say something. Call 781 837 4900. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right.
3: As you hear, we get a little a little extracurricular activity here. You tuned into Monday Night Talk, a 95.9 WATD. As uh, the thought, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how life happens and you watch how things unfold. And my next guest is a gentleman who's been in here. He's joined me for a variety of different conversations. And last time he was here, we were talking about running a marathon. Probably gonna touch upon that. I think I wanna get an update, as uh, I think he's prepping for yet. Another run. That is true. Uh, but uh, he is a, uh, a defense attorney, someone who is an attorney at law. And we've had him in prior, we've, last year when the Supreme Court decided to make some changes to Roe v.ersus Wade. He was kind enough to come in and in kind of articulate what was, was happening. Uh, when this was first breaking news about uh, a, a Cohasset woman, who was went missing, she uh, picked up early in the morning. It's just a start of things. Uh, picked up by rideshare, was supposedly flying back down to work in uh, our nation's capital. Uh, things have slowly, slowly started to uh, trend differently, and so the thought was, there was one point where I actually saw a post that that. Uh, Chris DiOrio made, and that was in regards to uh, when Brian Walsh was uh, brought in and charged with uh, uh, mis- somehow having an issue. He, he somehow was interfering with the investigation of misleading police. And Chris had made a comment in regards to, you know, the charge. We'll get into that in just a moment here, but... Uh, what I give you is just I found some information in regards to it, a, a timeline. If they would share that with you, mm-hmm. Chris, um, yeah. I guess my first question out of the box is: um, are You
8: are you a connoisseur of news? Do you kind of follow the local news? Yeah, I, I think it's essential. I mean, if you're going to be involved at all in in politics and and understanding, you know, what's going on. In the world, you have to keep up with the news. So I, you know, when I wake up in the morning after I get my run in, um, the next thing I do is sit down with the New York Times, the Boston Globe, and one or two of the local papers. You want to, you know, know what's going on in the world, what's going on, you know, statewide, what's going on locally. So it, it's it's unavoidable, these you know these kinds of things, and and quite frankly necessary.
3: When the news first broke about uh, Anna Walsh's disappearance. Uh, what was your initial thought? Did you like all of? Myself, I'm like, I hope it's nothing. I hope it's a misunderstanding. I always hope for the
8: best outcome, knowing that there's that that chance. Maybe not. You, you have, I mean, uh, most folks have the luxury of, of not having the, the experience that I have with these things. And so, when you see these kinds of stories, my you know, some some attor- all attorneys at some point or another, certainly all trial attorneys, um, are cynics. And you're either born that way, and it's trained in, you know, and it's trained and honed further, or it's taught to you. Um, you, you, you always have to think, uh, and it's how I prepare for a trial. You prepare for the worst case scenario, and then you work towards the best result. Um, so when I see something like that, I'm immediately thinking, as law enforcement does in these situations. It's it's the husband, it's family, it's usually somebody close, and then it radiates outward. Um, but you don't necessarily think of the. Um, the The benign, as opposed to, in this case, the potentially malignant. first few days,
3: any any potential red flags, anything that you you've noticed because there were there was one or two for me.
8: Yeah. when you look at yeah you know, the the timeline of events from the moment of disappearance, um or at least the the stated moment of disappearance until his um, his arrest and and involvement um the 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 appearance at the the home depot in rockland is a big thing um the, one of the biggest parts of this and what the prosecution will very likely hone in on is who reported the 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 disappearance first you know it, if this is you know i anybody who's out, out there who's with a family, who's part of a family who's who's married or something of that nature if i know that if my wife was getting on an airplane you know getting in a ride share heading down to a location i would you know if she hadn't connected with me that day i would begin to start to worry yeah. you know in in this particular circumstance uh It wasn't until January 4th, you know, three days or so after she was uh, allegedly taken by this ride share, according to the husband, um, that her business reported her missing. Um, The husband did not, he had nothing in, you know, had had not made a statement at all to any law enforcement or anybody uh, about where she was or, you know, did she arrive, you know, what happened to her. Um, That's gonna be something big.
3: It's fun. It's interesting you say that because uh, I believe that his attorney has said that her st- her statement in court was that he he's been cooperating and that the, the news reports we were hearing was the husband was cooperating and that he was I think the first initial one I heard was is that he was not even awake when when she had left
8: right you know, cooperation is it can simply be answering questions and being accommodating when law enforcement comes and knocks on your door and starts to look around. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily being entirely forthcoming. You know, um, you, know you can certainly cooperate and, yep. and you know put out the, the cookies and, and, and tea and, and coffee for, for police as they're walking through your house, but um, it, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily being truthful. Um, yeah, the thing that, that
3: I was expecting at any time was some kind of a public plea by, on behalf of the husband wherever you
8: are you know please call us mm-hmm. um none of that no and and again that's that's something that when you look at who reports the disappearance who is the one that's that's out in front on this it was her her business, you know, people in in DC that know the story. Being, you know, it was a conflict
3: that, with that. mean, yeah, they said that it was he had reported that that
8: they did. Yeah, she was supposed to be. She definitely was supposed to appear in DC on January third. Uh, his initial statement to law enforcement was that she had gotten an emergency call and would have to go down um, earlier. Uh, so she was supposed to be there, um, but you know. When ultimately, the the conflict is that you know he allegedly called down to D.C. and said, "Have you seen her?" But he then doesn't take the next step and call, and police. call the police after that, um, which you know again raising red flags uh, as to you know the, a knowledge of culpability there. It's definitely definitely interesting. Um, so he's arrested a couple of days
3: after he's after she goes missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, as you said, uh, misleading the investigation. What were your thoughts on this news?
8: This is, you know, when when you see something like this, the very first thing that that I I you know I blurted it out when I read that he was being arrested. Um, this is what they do when they think you've done something greater, but they can't prove it yet. Um, it's also a great way to get you out of the house so that they can engage in searches. Um, there's a warrant requirement. You have to go to a court and get a warrant in order to conduct certain searches. However, uh, if you've arrested somebody, um, you can conduct you know, searches of a home as part of an inventory. You can conduct you know, searches of a home and there's nobody there to impede progress and to impede access. Um, they did ultimately get warrants after the fact, but you know, this is a you know, situation where they, they believed that they had something based on the, the difference in stories but they hadn't yet gotten enough where they could bring in a charge of murder or, uh, or something of that nature. So what they do is they arrest you on what they can charge. But, but as I you know, as I as I wrote about, you know, they charged them with in essence a misdemeanor, and then for a misdemeanor they asked for half a million dollars worth of bail, which you know, I, and I said, you know, watch what happens. Because they're going to charge him with a misdemeanor and they're going to ask for some obnoxious amount of bail because there's a a missing person involved and he's a person of interest, which they had not yet said at this point. Um, But all of the arguments from from uh, ADA Beeland uh, in the Quincy District Court indicated that he was, in fact, the focus. Um, So, again, experience rules here that when you see something like that happen, I, I immediately go to. They have stuff, but they don't have enough stuff, so they're going to try to hold him as long as they can. They're going to bang him out with a large amount of bail that he's not going to be able to make because he's, while he's, you know, cohasset wealthy, not liquid.
3: Well, here's the other problem is, is that if he was bailed out, I believe that he, he would have been snapped up by the
8: Fed. The Feds would have taken him immediately. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised that they didn't pull him um, right there because that, that charge is a violation of his federal release. Um, he's not supposed to be out and around he's he, you know he, he's not supposed to be making these you know trips to Home Depot and even to you know his story was he went to get you know get the kids some ice cream not supposed to be doing that you know the, the man's on on home confinement awaiting sentencing which by the way you know waiting two years to be sentenced on this thing is a little odd. yeah um you know kudos to his attorney for being able to keep him out that long um but again not supposed to be out and about. And then, you know, these things occur. So it, it, it's definitely something that you look at. And, and you know, this is a, a common tool of law enforcement to and prosecution to, you know, charge what you can instead of leaving them out to do more potential damage to crime scene, to evidence, et cetera.
3: Okay, we're speaking with uh, Chris Dioria, uh, attorney at law. We're talking about the case of uh, the missing Cohasset wife, Anna Walsh. Uh, her husband being charged with murder Brian Walsh um, as as how do you defend how do you argue lower bail for a misdemeanour is it unheard of that yeah
8: you, you go for a whole run swing for I, half a million dollars I think and, and and you know attorney minor who who represents uh, Mr. Walsh did that she when she's arguing in front of Judge Coven, uh on the day of his arraignment there you know she said this is you know he it's a misdemeanor charge there's he's not being charged with a felony here he's not being charged with with any other greater crime related to the disappearance of his wife and she asked for release um, or at that point asked for release to um, into federal custody potentially where she felt that he could be safe um, to, to look at this as a potential problem going forward you know the there was you know the the possibility that he if you're looking for motive which people constantly look for reasons why and the reason why is not part of the elements of the crime um but we as a tv and entertainment starved you know nation need to find reasons um but one of the potential reasons that they're now banding about you know in social media circles is that the she potentially could have testified against him in a a separate issue regarding money uh and finances in, in the probate court and if this was something that he is found guilty of. If he was responsible for it, um, the feds could bring him in for tampering charges on that, and he's exposed to the death penalty on the federal side, where he wouldn't be is, is not exposed to the death penalty in Massachusetts because at you know here in this, at under state law we don't have the death penalty. Our maximum sentence is life without parole.
3: So we we look at as he's uh, arrested on January eighth. Uh, that's when things start to ramp up that's when we start getting more news day later they discover the bloody broken knife mm-hmm. blood right um, and even that in fact uh, Brian may have Brian took a trip mm-hmm. up uh, up north and that they had come did a couple of dumpsters mm-hmm. and weren't at a transfer station
8: right. combing through it for evidence right uh, and what you're looking there I mean in in those situations you you have, you know, the the constant video surveillance that goes on. At it, we're we're constantly being watched. Um, if and yeah, it sounds odd to say, if if this were a crime that occurred, even ten years ago, they would not. Been, have been able to do much of what they were able to do, uh, with you know the state police, with local law enforcement being assisted by the feds, um, they wouldn't have been able to do this. We, you know, we're in an era now where people in these types of situations, uh, by and large, are, are find themselves you know, hoist on their own petard by their own words, um, <laughs> by by their own internet searches, by their Google histories. That, that it opens up a whole separate you know avenue of discussion uh, about you know. Does Google or other search engines uh, do they have a duty going forward when they see a, a, a litany of searches such as "Where's the be- how, What's the best way to dispose of a body?" um you know will you know, will a, you know wh- when does a body stops you know smelling if it decomposes what's the best tool to use to to dismember you know the, the searches that were you know found in his search history um well that, not his search history separate yeah he used his son through, through his iPad. son's you know, so again and this you know part of the the defense aspect you know I'm always when I see these things I'm I'm looking for avenues of defense um <laughs> I- if anyone that had access to that, you know, iPad, there's no saying that it was him. You know, if you want to go, if you want to go frame, if you want to go, you know, something, you know, something, you know, down that road, if you want to be creative about it, you know, there's no evidence that was him that you now have to look at who had access to the iPad Mm. um, potentially. And if anybody was able to utilize this thing, it could have been them um, to set him up uh, it, you know, any number of these things can be utilized potentially as a defense. Um, it's it's the reason why we still need an actual tangible signature on most documents because if you sign off on something, th- you know, through email, there's no guarantee that that's the person that you're talking to on the other side.
3: Well, now, the thing that would be curious here is if there's like a parental lock on there,
8: mm-hmm.
3: right? That you can only search for certain PG material right. and in order to... Yeah, you know, there's a parental lock. You have to has to be, you know,
8: security code, right. whatever the number is, and then it could be used by anybody. And then you know, but, but, you know it, it could. But if you look at some of these parental locks, if you look at uh, YouTube, say, uh, and I run into this with my with my six year old, um, he you know, <laughs> Peter P- Peter can Peter the is, the is is learning to multiply, and you know he's he's a bit ahead mathematically. He's kind of a, a math savant um and so one of the when we put a parental lock on there and he tries to access something he can multiply you know it'll ask you know can you you know multiply 14 times 7 he'll do it and now have access to it so i'm not saying that you know the the walsh's children had this capability i'm just saying again these locks are not necessarily foolproof um, and anybody who had access to it and could do a basic math equation might be able to have access to that information. What, what does it mean
3: when warrants are returned to court? Does that mean that, that there was success?
8: Or is that that's a matter of we've used them? And we're done with with our search. When you get a warrant, uh, when a judge or a magistrate issues a warrant, um, they ask for a return on the warrant. That's part of, you know, especially if they're looking for information uh, or items. Um, and so you have to return uh, to the court with, you know, a, a basically a summary of what it is that you did under the auspices of the warrant. It's also a means by which... Uh, use a different term to, you know, call it quality control, uh, making sure that, you know, warrants will say you're allowed to search this place at this time. You have to, if you're, you know, searching, it has to be done during daylight hours. You can't, you, it, you know, you can't bust down the door, you know, the th- things like that, and all the different caveats that a, a magistrate or a judge will put on that warrant. And part of it will be, you must, you know, execute the warrant within 30 days and return with a statement as to what was recovered. Um, so the, the warrant return is that, you know, you have to do it by a, certain day and indicate what it is that you did and to verify that you did, in fact, uh, abide by the terms of, you know, what they, you know, the places to be searched, uh, the, the times to do the search, you know, any individuals and things of that nature that might have been confronted during the search. Uh, you have to give a, a full and fair accounting of what occurred during the warrant search.
3: I listened to primarily most of the arraignments on the charge of murder. Mm hmm. Brian Walsh and I thought the ADA really articulated actually tick down the list of the different things not mm-hmm. only the the uh, you know the Google searches right. but the different places that they, they pinpointed mm-hmm. some of the materials that they found in yeah. the dumpster which included some of the you know some of Anna's uh, um, her 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 um, in you know the COVID card mm-hmm. um, what she was wearing boots her Prada bag. Mm-hmm. Um, what the, that they had found, you know, blood or that was consistent with her. Not saying that it was her, but it was consistent right. with her. If you're somebody, I don't know how much of it you listen to, but if you're you're in that courtroom, you're mm-hmm. listening to this, and you are someone who is right now their attorney. Mm-hmm.
8: What's what what, the, what the, what's going through your head? Two things about that. One, you know, any time in situations where I have. Um, A prosecutor that believes that they've got their case locked Um, down—they give open and shut case. They give—they are really happy to give me all of what they have immediately, as opposed to the the constant you know barrage of information out into the world as opposed to counsel that they knew he had it's not like he was arrested off the street and had to go get a lawyer they knew that he had representation so in in situations where they go to the press first or when they go into social media first that's usually an indication that they're trying to make a case go forward Um, more more importantly in the courtroom right there they have to do that and the reason why they have to do that is because they don't have corpus delicti. That's the problem. You know, they, if they had the body, they don't have to do that kind of, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to do that kind of that discussion because this case without the body rests almost entirely on circumstantial evidence. There are no eyewitnesses. There's no video, you know, of the crime itself. Um, they're relying specifically and directly on circumstantial evidence. And in order to make that case, they've got to lay out a lot of it can you convict based on you know can you convict for a murder based uh, without the body yeah it's happened
3: is it easy no so you're saying that the, the state is going to have to work a lot harder to be able to get to gain this conviction although again lots of circumstantial evidence at this particular sure. time
8: it, it when you know the the old the old rule is you cannot convict based solely on circumstantial evidence. Now they have some tangible evidence there and the advances in DNA and things of that nature. But, you know, of course, there was DNA on things that they found in the house. She lived there. yeah, Of course, you know, there was blood. Great. Not it, how how does it get there? It, you're, there aren't you know any indications that there are. Sharp, you know they might talk about blood. They didn't talk about bone. They didn't talk about any other types of tissue or material on the knives. Mm-hmm. Show that you know the hacksaw that they allegedly find elsewhere. You know along with other things. You know you have to find you have this stuff, but you also have to connect it to the actual crime. And at this point, they can't they can't they they can and so they have to be as elaborate as, as she was in this particular arraignment but they have to because they don't have what they need you know you've got to have corpus delicti and that you know they do not have if they had a confession then this case goes away almost immediately but without a confession you know most of the cases where people have been convicted without the body in at, in Massachusetts there was a confession at some point that was somehow withdrawn or suppressed later on as a result of a a motion session. And now all of this other evidence comes in and that's how they get it without the confession. It's, can they get it? Yes. Is it going to be easy? Stay tuned. Yeah. One of my final questions for you. So as how
3: does the defense build its case? Is it basically on, you don't have a body, you have a lot of, a lot of evidence here. How, How do you how do you fight this? And is it a matter of that your client has to stick to a story and not be all over the place? Because that's something else that I think the jury will, if if he's not consistent with
8: his statements. This is one of the problems that, that you know, I, I like being able to put clients on the stand. I like it uh, a lot because... People can hear a judge charge a jury at the end of a case and say that you know the, the defendant has no obligation under the Fifth Amendment to testify, uh, and you're not supposed to hold that against him. Um, but that rings a bell that, uh, with a lot of jurors, can't be unrung. Um, if Brian Walsh testifies in this case at any point, if his voice is heard in a courtroom, yeah. I'll eat my running shoes. Wow. It, 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 you, you, there's too much potential exposure there for him um d- make this case this case should be defended based on their inability to directly tie it to an actual murder they, you know you have all of these things blood is in you know they have blood do they have enough blood to indicate that she bled out they don't have bone they don't have other things to indicate that the hacksaw was used to actually cut up a body right. they have you know they the all alleged trips to the dump great did you find a body in the dump no there's all sorts of, you know, issues here that, you know, while it might lead a person to look at it, you actually have to, it's going to be a lot of jury selection issues. You know, Tracy Miner is going to be spending a lot of time in, in, in you know, jury uh, selection rooms and, and, and doing mock jury selection and getting a sense of what jurors are actually going to be thinking about in the public, uh, in uh, in Norfolk County, pulling people to try to figure out what it is that they'll latch onto and what they won't mm-hmm. Um it, it's, it's not, I don't envy her, but it's it's definitely a winnable case.
3: He is Chris Orio. He is uh, a attorney at law. Um, before we get out of here in 60
8: seconds, yeah. uh, you're running a Boston Marathon again? I am running the Boston Marathon coming up April 17th. Uh, once again, uh, running for uh, Mass General Hospital's Uh, pediatric cancer center. Uh, People have been very great in terms of, uh, you know, supporting the run. Uh, Got an event coming up on April 1st at uh, Barrel House Z trying to raise some money to support the the, the run. and uh, hope to see folks out there. Follow me on social media at Christy Oreo and you'll get all the information that you need. But uh, it's my honor to run for these kids.
3: And are you gonna again let folks pick your uh, playlist.
8: I am one it? of my one of my fundraising things is you know you make a donation, you can put songs on my list. I've got friends that really try to you know screw me, and you know I, I still <laughs> have the I have uh, the 17 minute version of Inagata Vida. I've got the the 14 minute version of It's a Small World because. God, I love Disney. No, I don't. <laughs> um, but you know, it still sits there, and it, it you know, came up the last time out. It just absolutely you know, gives me the kick right where I need it to get up the hills. Chris, thank you so much for coming in and being a valuable
3: resource. As always, thank you. You got it. Uh, we'll probably have him back in as this uh, proceeds. But we want to thank you for tuning in. Until next week at 6.15 p.m., have yourself a good night.
0: Marshfield, WBMS Brockton.